You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome back to Hawk Talk Live Preview Edition. Season 2021 is here. Week one, me and Nas back together. We got to talk about these Colts, man. I'm excited. It feels like it's been longer than whatever the, the offseason is. It just feels longer than that Nas Chobie. The offseason feels like, man, it feels like it was two years, man. I mean, it feels like, I honestly, it feels like three years ago that we were talking about that last Ram game and then the draft and then you got rookie camp, mini camp and you got mandatory mini camp and then training camp was here. And it's weird. Training camp feels like the dog days of summer, like it goes on forever. Everything's the same. Yeah. But at the same time, it went by like that. And we're back at it, baby. Week one, football that counts in the standings. Let's go. Let's go. Football that counts, and the Hawks are going on the road. They're going to Indianapolis to take on these Colts. Colts have a lot of questions to be answered, but apparently we do too. You know, we've been looking through the media. The Colts have their views on what we look like. We have our views of what they look like. Let's jump into the roster. First spot we got to talk about because we know it's the most secure spot on the roster is the quarterback position. Mr. Russell Wilson leads the charge there. Geno Smith will back him up. And then we got a local kid, local kid who's on the roster right now, Jake Lutton. Am I saying his name right? Luton. Jake Lutton. That's Luton. 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 Okay. See, I, I got, got to get it out now. So when we go on air on Sundays, I don't jack this thing up. Uh, Russell Wilson had himself a year last year. We know it didn't end the way that we'd like it to, but uh, he had 68% completion rate, 4,200 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I think the only knock you can say is that he started off hot and kind of fizzled out. But that's just the NFL. You have to figure some things out. There were some changes at the offensive coordinator position. So hopefully that will help them out. Man, we're deep at running back, though, Nas. Yes, we are deep at running back. My goodness. Um, Six running backs on the roster currently. We got Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Alex Collins, and Nick Ballore. And really no surprises in this position group, you know, some teams would look at this and be like, you guys are really keeping six running backs. And yeah. that's not completely accurate in the sense of six because Nick Bellore right now, we'll get to a little bit later, is really kind of filling in as a linebacker right now because of the depth at that position. But you look at all these guys in the rosters, I mean, you had to keep all of them. Chris Carson is one of the best running backs in the NFL when healthy. He's a perennial 1,000-yard rusher. Rashad Penny is a guy that has unbelievable potential we're just waiting to see it if he can get through a season completely healthy we know what he can do there Travis Homer's another guy that came in as a rookie second year guy kind of got his feet wet a little bit last year we know it's really good in pass pro and pass protection that's kind of his strength and then DJ Dallas man he flashed in the in the preseason he was one of the bright spots even though our starters weren't playing Alex Collins is another guy who stepped in last year when Carson and Penny were banged up. So it's a really deep room. And the thing about running backs is you can never have enough because it's such a physical position. Guys get hurt a lot. So the Seahawks are really deep there. You do need a stable there. And I want to say, man, DJ Dallas won the preseason for me. In my opinion, he had the best preseason on this roster. Had a couple carries, two big returns, got his hands on a punt. I mean, he did everything he could to not only make this team, but say like, look, 
I'm here. Let me get the rock. Let's go. So now we're going to move on to receivers. My favorite position. We all know that DK Metcalf is coming back for his third year. Bonafide superstar Gatorade commercials going to all-star games, kicking it with the who's who like DK is on another level right now. And then I expect him to take his game to another level. I know that's hard to say because he did set, set a franchise record as far as yards for a season, but there's still some things he can get better at. I'm looking forward to that. Tyler Lockett, the most humble superstar of all time on this football team. He comes back after a thousand yard season. We got Freddie Swain, who was in the battle for that third position spot. D. Eskridge is here as well. Now that Freddie Swain and D. Eskridge battle was interesting to me because Freddie had an opportunity and he took it. We saw him running with the ones. We saw him returning punts. We saw him returning kickoffs as well. Freddie Swain is on this roster because he's reliable and he can get the job done. And then Penny Hart. I'm glad this dude got picked up. I know they tried to move him to the practice squad early. He'd been, he was banged up during camp, had some days where he couldn't go. But that last preseason game, he had a couple catches that reminded you why he is here. So you have, you look at this, this receiving core, man. You got the big old Megatron type dude. And you got like three smaller fast dudes. And then Freddie Swain's kind of the in-between. You got a little bit of everything when it comes to this receiving core. That's what I like. Unfortunately, my guy, John Ursua, towards ACL. Um, we don't know if he was going to make the team or not, but when he did tear his ACL, he was having a good game. He was making a case to at least be on practice squad. So that's going to hurt. But I look at this receiving core and I'm okay with it. Oh, without question. I think you got depth at every position or every position, X, Y, inside, outside. And the other thing about it too, you mentioned DS Ridge. Shout out to Bump for those of you who remember. Bump called that the Seahawks yeah. draft DS Ridge. And uh, we didn't get to see a ton of him in training camp, but when we did, you saw that speed. You saw that fly sweep action that we see with the Rams. You saw him get vertical and get in the slot and go up and make a big catch. So I'm really excited to see what we have there. And if there's anything, God forbid, any kind of injuries, you had guys like Aaron Fuller and Cody Thompson, you know, get to the practice squads because there's depth everywhere at the receiver position. So definitely be in for another record-setting year, I think, in 2021. Another position group that has some new faces, tight end. So Gerald Everett, Will Disley, and Tyler Mabry are on the 53 roster to start this week. You know, Everett and Disley, there was no surprise there. You bring in Gerald Everett from the Rams, was in yeah. Shane Waldron's offense last year, uh, for the last couple of years, and been really successful in the league. We know what Will Disley can do. When you throw him the ball, he comes down with it. Incredibly physical and a good run blocker. Tyler Mabry is the guy that was on our practice squad all last year and was brought up to the fifth the 53 because you guys are probably thinking about aren't you forgetting somebody and that's Colby Parkinson who we mm -hmm. drafted last year who man was tearing it up to start yes, training camp. this man every time I looked up he was catching ball coming down with it making plays in the red zone going up getting touchdowns so it was really disappointing to see him come down with a foot injury the same foot injury that he had last season where he had a screw put in his foot the good thing was is that it wasn't something that's going to keep him out a really long time. The Seahawks kind of did what a lot of teams do when it comes to ro roster construction where you make a guy, put a guy on the initial 53 because if you put him on IR coming out of camp, that means he's got to be on IR the whole year. If he initially makes the 53, then when you put him on IR after that point, he only has to sit out three weeks. So Colby Parkinson, I'm telling you, is going to make a ton of plays for this position group when he's given the chance. Tyler Mabry is going to step up for now, but bump, I'm really excited about these tight ends and how Shane Waldron is going to use them. Yeah, I'm extremely excited, especially Gerald Everett. He comes over from the Rams. Him and Shane have a relationship. Shane was actually a tight ends coach to start. 
So uh, he knows how to use these guys. You look at the way he's used the tight ends in the Ram system. They just flourish, and Gerald Everett can do everything, inside, outside, blocking, whatever you need. Uncle Will is there to hold it down. And, again, Colby, once Colby gets back, you guys are going to see what Nash was just talking about. This dude is special. He can get the rock. All right, let's move to the offensive line. I just want to say thank you to the football gods <laughs> and everyone that made this possible. Dwayne Brown is suited up. He's been practicing. He's ready to go. No worries. That left side is going to be secure with one of the best left tackles in the game. Thank you, Dwayne Brown and the Seahawks for getting that done. Now, other than Dwayne Brown, you have Brandon Shell, Jamarco Jones, uh, uh, Stone Forsyth, Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, Ethan Post, and Kyle Fuller, and Jake Curran, Curran, Curran. This is like this is my kind of preseason right now. I gotta <laughs> lean on Nas to get these pronounced uh, pronunciations right and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, they're carrying nine linemen on the active roster this year, and we know that you have to be deep on O line. You just have to be deep, especially when you have an older guy, Dwayne Brown, at left tackle. He's gonna have some veteran days and take a week or two off. We know that is this preservation. He'll be good to go. Um, you got some young guys. You got Damian Lewis coming back for his second year. I was really encouraged with what he showed us last year. He played guard. He played center for the first time in his career in the NFL. I don't think you guys understand how difficult mm -hmm. that is. The center is the guy who's supposed to get everybody lined up, call out the box, identify the mic, communicate with the quarterback. He did this for the first time as a rookie. Kyle Fuller is a guy that a lot of our colleagues really like. They thought he was going to push and compete for that center spot. He's making noise as well. Forsyth was the draft pick, looked like a rookie in preseason, but you can see the potential there. The guy is long, uh, he's tall, has big reach. Now he just has to perfect the craft and no better person to learn from than Dwayne Brown. No question about it. And I think, I think there, like you mentioned when you started this, was thank God we have Dwayne Brown back. He's one of the best left tackles in the National Football League, bar none. And let me tell you something. No one takes better care of their bodies than yeah. Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown is a weight room warrior, number one, and just does the most when it comes to preserving his body. And the other thing, too, about it, we bring in Gabe Jackson. There was a lot of talk about the offensive line and what it was going to look like in 2021 all this strife about whether the quarterback was happy, this and that. A lot more was made of up of that than what it really was. But here's the thing. You move Damian Lewis over to left guard, Gabe Jackson on the right side. I think you have a good foundation in the middle. Kyle Fuller, he was healthy. It was supposed to be a big battle between Kyle Fuller and Ethan Postit. Kyle Fuller was healthy. Ethan was not in training camp, so Kyle Fuller kind of stepped into that starting role. What we saw him play against the Rams last year, we know he's physical. So I'm really excited about this unit and just the depth, too, because, you know, we have other guys. Jamarco Jones has filled in and played well. You know, um, you have depth at the center position. And on the practice squad, Phil Haynes and Jordan Simmons, who were initially on the team last year, you sneak them back onto the practice squad. So if anything happens, those are guys that you can bring up whenever. So I'm really excited about where this group can go. And I think it can be one of the strengths and build on what they did in 2020. And then I'm moving on, on defensive line, though, Bob, D-line. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When we talk about the defensive line, you know, for the last couple of years, every year, everyone's been like, big question mark, big question mark. Are they going to get enough sacks? Is this unit good enough? They're hurting the team, blah, blah, blah. We had a rough defensive start last year. That's not the case this year, boy. This no, defensive sir. line is stacked. I'll just read off. We got 10 this year, starting off from 53. Carlos Dunlap, the second. Kerry Hyder, Jr. Daryl Taylor, LJ Collier, Rasheem Green, Benson Mayolo, Alton Robinson, Puna Ford, Al Woods, and Brian Monet. 
And the great thing about that is every single name I've said, with the exception of Daryl Taylor, has played significant time in the National Football League, at least in terms of starts. Alton Robinson was a rookie last year. He had four sacks, contributed. Puna Ford's been doing it for a couple of years. Al Woods is an OG holding it down in the middle. Brian Monet's gotten his feet wet. Carlos Dunlap is a proven veteran. And this, this unit, man, it's sky's the limit. I don't want to put the expectation that some people have put on comparing them to that 2013-14 uh, defensive line with all that NASCAR package stuff they ran. With that being said, though, this is the deepest the defensive line has ever been since that time, and I think they can do a lot of good things this year. Yeah, I like this room, Chobi. Rasheem Green, another guy who stole the show in preseason for me, had two really good games, started the preseason off with two sacks, and then had one in the second game. This was a guy who needed to show that he is progressing. And his position coach, Coach Hurd, said, look, the light came on for this young man. We, we, we can't forget, he was 20 years old when he was drafted. He was just a baby. Couldn't even go to Joey's and have a cocktail. <laughs> you know I mean? He, he was young, so now he's settling in. He's developing. I think this is going to be a big year for this guy. One guy I'm anxious to see how he does is Kerry Hyder. Comes over from the 49ers at eight and a half sacks for those guys. Can play inside and can play outside. If anyone is going to learn from this guy, I think LJ Collier can learn from this guy. Because they're going to use Kerry Hyder and LJ kind of the same way. Move them outside, move them inside, depending on the situation. And then I think Dunlap leaves the way. There's just so much depth at this position. You got 10 guys, and they're going to rotate in, keep guys fresh. I'm excited. This unit had 46 sacks last year. Let's see what they do this year. All right, now we're going to the second level. Linebacker squad. We got Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, and I'm going to throw in Nick Ballore in there as well because we've seen what he does at the linebacker spot. Now, it all starts with Bobby Wagner. Didn't see Bobby Wagner this preseason, and I ain't mad at him. I didn't need to see Bobby Wagner this preseason. You know what you're going to get. A field general who's going to line guys up, make sure you're in a good position. He's going to fill the gaps. He's going to be dependable, going to have over 100 sacks. He's going to be an all-pro. Mr. Consistent the past eight to nine years, Bobby Wagner, you can depend on him. It's all about the guys behind him now. Jordan Brooks, I've seen flash. There's no denying how athletic this dude is. He might be the most, he is the most athletic linebacker. Now, Bobby has him in, in smarts and wits and getting in position and all that. But Jordan Brooks has a twitch that, I just don't see in these other linebackers, and this is going to be a big year for him. Cody Barton as well. Time for him to shine. Third year this is for this kid. Yep. His third year out of Utah, knows every position, got significant time during the preseason. Let me give a big shout-out to Ben Burke-Curvin, who was a linebacker that we lost during preseason, tore his ACL in the very first play of the third preseason game. That's why you didn't see a lot of starters this preseason, because you never know – when and if something can happen. But um, I feel good about this linebacker core. A little thin. You got to throw Nick Ballore in there. A little thin, but I feel good about it. Oh, no question about it. Bobby Wagner is a first ballot Hall of Famer. No question about it. Jordan Brooks, like you mentioned, has flashed a lot. And you know, I mean, he can do it all. He's quick. He can cover guys. And when he goes, he goes downhill right away. And that's a cool thing there. And I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, Daryl Taylor. because Daryl Taylor is playing a lot of that Sam role. Um, yeah. So Daryl's going to be... Kind of a hybrid. He's going he's gonna to be playing Sam, and then he's going to be rushing the passer on, on passing downs. And we're really excited to see what he can bring. You know, he, it was great to finally see him get out there. You know, the first two preseason games, he was right there, almost got a sack, almost got a sack. It was great to see in that third preseason game him finally get home and finish plays off. So I'm really excited about this unit. And before we finish off my linebackers, got to give a shout-out to our guy, K.J. Wright. K.J., 
It was a sad day at the VMAC when we knew officially you were not coming back to the Seahawks organization. K.J. Wright had 10 amazing years in a Seahawks uniform. Wish him nothing but the best of luck in Oakland. I'm happy you don't got to play against Vegas. him. Oh, you got me. I got to put $5 <laughs> in the jar. Got to put $5 in the jar. But, no, shout out to K.J. Wright, man. K.J., uh, you're a great teammate. You are great yeah. to everyone in this organization, me specifically. So, big shout out to K.J. Wright. Yes, sir. Corners bump. Corners, we it. talked about this position more than arguably any other position this year going into camp because of position battles. You lose Shaquille Griffin in the offseason. Quentin mm-hmm. Dunbar was here. He was hurt most of the year. That didn't really work out there. Last year, DJ Reed comes from the San Francisco 49ers about midway through the year. It makes an immediate impact, right? Then we got Trey Flowers, who's been here for a couple years, been a multiple-year starter. So I'll go through the list of corners that we have now, starting this first week on the Active 53, because there's a lot of things that happened over this last week. So on Sunday, or at least suiting up, going into the game, you'll have Trey Flowers, DJ Reed, Sidney Jones, you guys will remember from UW standout, uh, who's played in Philly and in Jacksonville. Then you have John Reed, who came over from the Texans, and then Blasson Austin, who was a six-round pick from the Jets in 2019 and started a lot of games over there. He came in after we made the initial 53. And those are the guys that are playing this week because Trey Brown, who we drafted this year, one of our three draft picks, will begin the season on IR because of a knee injury. But very similar to Colby Parkinson. It's not something that's going to be super long-term. They're going to bring him back when he's ready. Don't want to rush the rookie, so he'll be out for the first three games. So, Bump, the crazy thing here, man, is when we started camp, man, we were talking about Akella Witherspoon. Yes, we were. A lot of people, and myself included, thought what I saw at the beginning of camp, I'm like, this man's going to start. This man is done was doing a lot of good things in practice. But here's the deal, man. If you're going to trust anybody when it comes to defensive backs, it's Pete Carroll and John Snyder. They know what they're doing. They have a PhD in that. Everyone else, man, you're just out there. You just graduated high school, essentially, in the equivalent. <laughs> so uh, everything that they decide is obviously is the right call. But um, it, it's promising in a sense that DJ Reed and Trey Flowers came out and competed. Pete said all along that he had one of the best camps he's ever had. And I know Trey, people get down on Trey a lot for, you know, Almost kind of unfairly, he had a tough game against Green Bay two years ago, and that kind of just mm-hmm. stuck in everyone's mind, and no one kind of could forget it. There's definitely plays he can make. Sometimes he commits too many penalties. I mean, that's he knows that. But he had a really strong camp. I'm really excited to see him go out there and compete. And then I'm excited to see what Sidney Jones can bring to this because they went out and got Sidney Jones, so they know what they're getting from him and what they've seen. They got to see him start at the University of Washington for a long time. So I'm really excited to see how this group competes as we start this season off. We did talk a lot about this group during the offseason, and there has been a lot of turnover, a lot of movement in this group, and I'm just happy for Trey to get another opportunity. I think there are a couple guys who are in a situation to where they have to perform this year, and I think Trey has done good, decent over the last few years. He hasn't been a pro bowl or anything like that, but good corners are so hard to find, and Trey Flowers walked through the gauntlet and defended Everybody Dunbar defending him off and Keller Witherspoon defending him off. He's like, whoever you bring Trey, you got hurt. Don't worry. I'm ready to go. Trey flowers has been resilient. And I think that's going to help him as he continues to grow as a corner. All right. Now we got to go to probably the most secure spot on the defense right now. It's a safety position. We know who we got. Jamal Adams set a franchise record or excuse me, NFL record for sacks by a, a DB last year with nine and a half, 10 sacks. Now, Quandre, 
nine and a half. Quandre had five interceptions last year, led the football club. Marquise Blair got injured week two. He is healthy now, making plays, scored a touchdown in the last preseason game against the Chargers. Ugo Amadi has just been silently consistent, right? Not a guy who you've seen just blow somebody up, make an interception, scoop and score. But he's always around the football, silently consistent. And then Ryan Neal, all he does is make big plays. Had an interception this preseason. Last year had a couple interceptions. Started his first starting as the Cowboys had an interception. All he does is make plays. He ended the preseason with an oblique injury. I assume he's going to be fine from that. Didn't seem like anything too crazy. But out of all these guys, the two I'm looking at are Blair and Amadi. And the reason why I'm looking at them is because that nickel spot just hasn't been the same since Coleman left. The Hawks just haven't had a guy who's going to lock down the interior receiver and just do his thing. There's a huge opportunity for these guys to solidify themselves on this football team at that nickel spot. And even if they do end up sharing the time or splitting it, I think it's all good because these guys are the future. If Blair can stay around, you know, Quandre's going to get older. Jamal's going to get older. Maybe his, his, um, his style of play changes. Who knows? But you always need guys in the wings, ready to go. And how do you develop them? You get them playing time. Marquise Blair and Ugo Almighty are going to have opportunities to do that. I'm excited about this group. I'm really secure about this group simply because of Jamal and Quandra. Yeah, those are, it's easily, in my opinion, the best safety tandem in the National Football League. Jamal Adams is stuff other strong safeties cannot do. Quandre Diggs is a great center field player. He'll come down, he'll hit you. Those two are the best safety tandem in the league. And I think Marquise Blair is going to put the league on notice. You talked about him while yeah. you're looking at him. You're, you're excited about him. I think he is going to force Ken Norton to have him on the field. Doesn't matter what situation, how it is. I think his play, what we're going to see from him this year, is he's going to force everybody's hand and say, hey, 27 needs to be on the field because he makes too many plays. And I'm really excited to see how he goes. And Ugo Amadi is right there, too. He can back up any position. Stepped in last year, did a phenomenal job at that spot. So we are incredibly deep there at the safety position. And the specialists, man, you know, we already know about them, man. Jason Myers holding it down, <laughs> franchise record and consecutive kicks made. Michael Dixon, I mean, there was nothing to say about him. His last punt against the Chargers is all you need to say about him. 75 yards in the air. Puts the ball at the one-yard line, down easily. Tyler, And he's got a sleeve now, sleeve tatted, so oh, he's ready yeah. to go. He got that sleeve tat. Let's go. Woo! Yeah, no, honestly, I think we got one of the most assured specialist units as well as a great special team unit under head or special teams coach Larry Izzo. So not a lot to say about the specialists, man, because we know what they do each and every week. So, Bump, this last thing on the roster construction um, – Nothing really jumped out surprises, but what are your thoughts on the overall all depth of this roster, and what's the, what's the number one thing that jumps out to you? Man, I look at this roster, and I see a roster that's good to go. Offensively, you got an O-line that's kind of been reconstructed. You bring in Gabe Jackson. You move Damian Lewis to the other guard spot, and you sign Dwayne Brown. Kyle Fuller wins the center spot. I like the way the O-line looks. In the backfield, you have six running backs. All right, you got six of them. You got the... The, the ground and pound bruiser. You got the guy who's kind of shifty and can get out the backfield and DJ Dallas. You got the pass protection guy and Travis Homer, Rashad Penny. We'll see what he does. Alex Collins. I mean, there's so many ways you can go there. Receiver wise, I don't even need to say nothing. You know who's out there. You know who we got at receiver gets to go. Defensively, I look at the depth of that D line and I'm encouraged because to cause turnovers, to disrupt things, your D line has to be active and get after the quarterback. You got guys who can do that. You got guys who can do that. Secondary, we'll see what those corners look like but I feel good about DJ I feel good about Trey Flowers if there was a, a question mark on defense we'll see what happens there overall I feel good about this any surprises 
no, I think it, it happened exactly the way we thought it was going to happen. Guys were in position um, that we expected to be there. Only guy that we're missing right now, I feel like it's Colby Parkinson's at that tight end spot. Um, he has a foot injury. But I look at this roster, Nas, no real surprises. Uh, except, you know, there's one. Witherspoon is gone. I thought Witherspoon was going to be the starter at the corner spot for this football club. Not going to happen. Trey gets another, another opportunity. I like the depth. Man, it's it's NFC Championship game or bust. That's, why, that's how I feel about this roster. All right, we've heard about the roster construction. We've heard about the injuries. Now it's finally time to shift our focus to who's next. Who's next? The Indianapolis Colts. They were 11-5 and and second-place finishers in the AFC South in 2020. They lost to the Buffalo Bills in the wildcard playoffs last year, 24-27. As you guys will remember, their starting quarterback was Phillip Rivers, who's now coaching high school football now. Um, the Colts, they had a great year. You know, Reach is in his third year, I believe, now. And they've done some really good things, man. If you look at what the year's... Both teams had last year. The Seahawks were 12-4, and four, Colts 11-5. and five. They're both high-ranking offenses. Um, the Seahawks notoriously started really high last year, came down. They finished 17th overall. The Colts finished 10th. Running the football, they're about neck and neck. The Seahawks finished 12th at 123 yards per game. The Colts were 11th at 124 yards per game. Pass offense, the Seahawks finished 16th at 246 yards per game, and the Colts had 253 yards per game. And when it came to points, these teams were about neck and neck. The Seahawks were eighth in the NFL, scoring 28 points a game, and the Colts were at ninth in the NFL, scoring 28 points a game as well. Seahawks 28.7, Colts 28.2. But here's the thing about this Colts team, man. They have a new quarterback, which we'll get into a lot in a little bit here. But they're bolstered by a great O-line, man. They're center, Ryan Kelly, AP, second-team All-Pro. They got a guard, Quentin Nelson, AP, first-team All-Pro. So they have one of the best O-lines in the National Football League, and they're going to have a solid offense. TBD on some of the weapons they have because of injuries and things like that, but Bump, this is a pretty good football team. If you just look at the head-to-head comparison, you can make an argument for the Colts to beat the Seattle Seahawks. You just looked at all these numbers. They're neck and neck, or the Colts lead in a lot of categories. But the difference is, I feel like, is that we just have Russell Wilson. They have Carson Wentz at this point. That's going to be the the deciding factor. Now, they do got some guys over there who can ball. Jonathan Taylor, 1,169 yards last year. The kid can move. If you go to uh, Seahawks.com, check out my film session. I broke him down. I has great vision, has a great O-line. He's patient with the ball in his hand. You expect these guys to rely on him often and early. Now, on the Seahawks side, we got Chris Carson. We just haven't seen a full season of Chris Carson. Last year, we just didn't see him. 681 yards. If he can stay healthy, he's just as good, at, if not better, than Jonathan Taylor. He's going to get his respect back. People kind of are sleeping on Chris Carson because they haven't seen him for a full year. He's going to get it back. All right, and also another compare our head, head-to-head kind of stat, Lockett. Lockett and Metcalf. They don't have anybody over there who can who – can, offensively compare with them. Now you have Michael Pittman. You got T.Y. Hilton. Pittman is a possession receiver. He's young, had 500 yards last year. T.Y. Hilton had, I, I believe, around 600 yards last year. He's getting older. He's getting up there. They don't have the same combo that we have over here. So I expect the Seattle Seahawks to outperform these dudes, but they are on the road. It is an early start, but Pete Carroll has shown 10 a.m. starts no longer phase them. They are good to go. All right, next segment. Know your history, man. What's going on between these two teams? Know your history. All right, so this all-time matchup between the Seahawks and the Colts. The Seahawks are 5-7 and seven against the Colts all-time. 
Last meeting, the Seahawks pounded the Colts 46-18 on Sunday Night Football back in 2017 at Lumen Field. Now, a couple of crazy things as I was just looking through that game, man, which is just so crazy how far this team has come from the 2017 season. Seahawks leading rusher that day bump, Eddie Lacy. Eddie! 11 carries for 52 yards. Um, Balling. Two defensive scores. Justin Coleman, who you talked about earlier, had a pick six. Bobby mm-hmm. Wagner also picked up a fumble, ran it back for a touchdown. Our new friend Robert Turbin, who's joined us on the pre- and post-game show, he had a touchdown for the Colts. So he he was on the receiving end of that beatdown. We can talk mm-hmm. about that on Sunday when we see him. <laughs> um, and then here's the other thing, man. My guy, who was a great locker room guy when he was here, J.D. McKissick, scored this 30-yard touchdown. And I'll tell you why in a second this was so significant. Russell's going to hand to McKissick. He goes right side. He steps inside of a tackle. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. Are you kidding me? Shot him, shot him out of the cannon. Man, where did he come from? He was in the backfield, and then all of a sudden, he was in the end zone from 30 yards out. Goodness gracious, the Seahawks on top, 24-18. Now, why was that run so significant, Bump? That was the last touchdown that year that was scored by a Seahawks running back, okay? This Sunday night football game was played in week four. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I remember that year. Yeah, and man, I that was remember. the Russell all-do-everything type year, man. Russell do everything. There was a year he was going to – did they make the playoffs that year? That was the only not, year he did not. Only year we did yeah. not. That was when you first mm-hmm. hopped on the pre-post and we had the little hiccup against the Rams and then they lost that Jacksonville game and we're right there at the end Then we missed a field goal against Arizona to end the season. But I bring that up just to shed light on how deep our running back room is now, how good yes. Chris Carson is, how good – you know, he's going to prove to the rest of the league that he is a 1,000-yard rusher, and he's going to do amazing things. He's in great shape. So have respect for your boy. People need to put respect back on Chris Carson's name. And just a reminder where things have come since 2017. With that being said, Bump, man, we got to figure out what's what's the word. What's the word in the West? Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West? On Hawk Talk. What's the word? I'll tell you what it is. Seahawks are the defending NFC West champions, finishing 12 and 4 last year. 10 and 6 were the Los Angeles Rams. 8 and 8 were the Cardinals. 6 and 10 were the San Francisco 49ers. And it it's a battle out west, man. Nothing comes easy out in the West. Now you add Matthew Stafford to this division. You still got um, Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals. He gets A.J. Green. San Francisco, they drive Trey Lance. They get healthy on defense. They get, they get healthy on offense. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it's a battle out here. You never know what's going to happen. Now, last year was the first time the Seahawks won the NFC West since 2016. And I have to say, man, you know, the rival rivalry has been the 49ers, but it's shifting over to the Rams. I mean, you you beat the Rams in the title game last year, and then the first round you play them again, and they beat you. And then there's some trash talk. They're saying, look, you can have your T-shirts. We're going on to the next round. Sean McVay has been the guru in the in the division for the past four years, making the playoffs three out of four seasons. Um, things can change, though. The sleeper in the West, 
the sleeper in the West has to be the Arizona Cardinals, man. They haven't made the playoffs in five consecutive seasons. I think Kingsbury is on a short leash now, but Kyler Murray has a couple more weapons that he can use. It's It can go any way in the West, but I still feel like the Seahawks are the favorites to win because of consistency. Pete Carroll's going to be there. Schneider has been there. Lockett, Russell, Bobby. When you look at consistency in this division, you got to look at the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah, it's not even close. When you talk about playoff appearances, 10-win seasons, uh, the lack of not having losing seasons, which the Seahawks are the only ones to not have a losing season in the duration that Russell Wilson's been here. But as we know, it's the toughest division in the National Football League. I mean, we say that each and every year. You look, you mentioned the Rams. They got Matthew Stafford, who that's who Sean McVay wanted. And it's going to be a really interesting year and almost a prove-it type year, which is weird to say for a coach who's already gone to a Super Bowl and made the playoffs three out of four years. And for a guy like Matthew Stafford who's been in the league as long as he has. But the reason I say that is because he's always kind of had the, well, he's in Detroit. He's really good, but he only had Calvin Johnson. He's really good despite bad coaching. He's really good despite well, – all that's out, man. That's that's gone now. You got Robert Woods. You got Cooper Cup. You, you got you got who you got Sean McVay as your head coach. You got Aaron Donald on the defensive side. So they're going to have to do some things this year, and it's going to be hard because they lost Cam Akers. They got one of the best defenses in the league. You lose Cam Akers. You bring in Sony Michelle. You still have Daryl Henderson. Does Daryl Henderson or did he go to yeah, Miami? He's, I think he's still on the roster, but I think he's banged up. He's banged up. Um, you have your weapons. You got you got Higby at the tight end spot. You got some weapons. So excuses are gone. Let's see what Matthew Stafford does. I wish him well, just not against the Seahawks. I always like to see athletes do their thing. But I work for the Hawks, man. I live in Seattle. I live in the Northwest. I don't want you to come up here and do anything. Okay, that was the NFC West. Now, let's man up. Look at some matchups. Hey, who is this? Man up on Hawk Talk. Man up. We're going to start it right at the quarterback position. You can't look much farther than Carson Wentz when you're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. And we're just looking at Carson Wentz against the Seahawks defense, man. Carson Wentz is making his Colts debut um, last year for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in 2020. He was 25, uh, excuse me, 251 for 437, 2,620 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. This man was benched for the first time in his 68-game NFL career for Jalen Hurts. Michael Bump has called that early in that season. Um, it wasn't all on Carson Wentz, though. O-line was had a lot of injuries, and they struggled. They missed seven offensive starters, five defensive starters, you know, 10 other key players missed time for them. With that being said, it was easily the worst season in his career in Bump, man. I was doing some research and looking into how things ended there in Philly, man. And I was reading some stuff from the Philadelphia Inquirer, man. And people in Philly are just brutal. I mean, brutal. Goodness. Killing him, saying he quit on the team. He was done the second he got benched. He, he wasn't a good teammate. Um, he's selfish. He took all the money because he got paid in 2020 and all kinds of stuff. They said his pocket presence was bad. His accuracy was bad. You know, 2017 was so long ago. He never got over the, the getting hurt and Nick Foles leading him to a Super Bowl. And I was just like, my goodness, this man was an MVP candidate for you until he got hurt. It's so crazy how this league is. You can go from being at the top of the game and everyone telling you how good you are to one moment, those same people saying you're the worst thing that's ever happened to him. So, 
Carson Wentz, he gets a fresh start in Indianapolis. He was hurt coming in training camp. He was a full participant today in practice, so he will be a full go against the Seahawks. And Bump, man, what what do you think? What do you think about Carson Wentz? He's getting a new fresh start with a coach he had success with. Yeah, man, he was um, Pro Bowler, MVP candidate last time these two hooked up. So you would think he's in his comfort zone. He's out of Philly, one of the most ruthless fan bases in all of football. He's out of there. He's in Indianapolis. It's a lot more welcoming in Indianapolis. You play indoors. You don't have to worry about the weather. Um, you're not going to have one of your receivers, T.Y., to start the season. He's banged up. But you have an offensive line that's going to protect you. And you have a running game that's going to get you going. And like I said, you link back up with a coach. That last time you're with him, you had some of your greatest years. So things look good for Carson Wentz. If he doesn't get it done here, then I think he's just a, a glorified number two quarterback who's looking for a spot. Um, every single year. But, you know, again, I'm a former athlete. I wish him well, just not week mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Okay, Wentz, I was one of the guys in his corner life. I think this is going to be a bounce back year for him because there's no denying the talent this dude has. Yep. It's there. Sometimes you're in a situation, it's just not a good fit anymore. You move on, you can flourish elsewhere. All right, we'll see what he does this year. Another matchup, Seahawks DBs versus the Colts wide receivers. Now we know that DJ and Trey Flowers are going to hold it down on the outside. I'm looking forward to seeing that. DJ has 62 tackles, two interception, interceptions, and seven passes defended last year. Now Trey Flowers, up and down, smiles and frowns. Call it what you want. But there were times where he was consistent in playing well. He started seven games in 2020, 47 tackles, two passes defended, one forced fumble, one tackle for loss. Now this is a good week for these guys to get their start. Why is it a good week? Because the Colts are a little banged up at the receiver position. T.Y. is not going to be there, but Zach Pascal. am I saying that right now? Fact, I, I hope so. Check. I'm guessing. Okay. I haven't seen the pronunciation okay. guy, but I think that's right. I think it's Pascal. All right. And Michael Pittman are going to be their guys. Now, Pascal had 44 receptions, 629 yards, and five touchdowns. He's going to be their number one guy this year, at least until T.Y. gets back. Pittman Jr. had 40 receptions, 503 yards, and one touchdown. Pittman is a possession receiver, big boy. He'll go across the middle. He'll make things happen for you. It's just not the same without T.Y. Hilton. So if there is a week that I feel confident on the perimeter, on the outsides with these DBs, it has to be this week just because of what they're going up against. Yeah, no question about it. I think we're going to see some dogs at the receiver position as this season goes on, and I think this is a great way. And this is not throwing shade at the receiving core for Indianapolis. It's just this is a good ease into the season to try to build some confidence and make things happen. Another matchup I want to look at, the OG. OG. Dwayne Brown against Quiddy Pay. Now, listen, we've talked about Dwayne throughout the podcast today. Dwayne Brown, one of the best, if not the best left tackle in the National Football League. He's been well-rested, but he's been here the entire time. Call it a hold-in, whatever you want to call it. He's been here every single day. He's been keeping his body in great shape. He's been at every single meeting. He's tended every single walkthrough. He's back at practice now. Dwayne Brown is ready to go, ready to protect that blind side of Russell Wilson. So we know that about Dwayne. But I'm listening to a lot of chatter coming out of Indianapolis. They really like this Quiddy Pay dude, man. He was dominant coming out of the University of Michigan. 97 tackles, 23 TFLs, 11 and a half sacks in his career there. Only played in four games as a senior. Didn't really play much as a freshman. So he didn't have a full career there. But what people saw was a lot of potential. People have given him a lot of praise throughout the preseason. Gotten a sack in each game he's played in. So the thing that I'm looking here is, you know, the rookie guy that was a first-round pick for them, someone they, they put a lot of capital in that hoping can play right now well guess what young man you're going up against one of the best to ever do it who's been doing it 
since you were probably I don't know you know playing little league <laughs> at this level. So it, it'll be yeah. it'll be a fun matchup to watch Dwayne Brown and Quidi Pay get it on. Yeah, I'm excited to see that Quiddy. I love that name too. I did, I just when we broadcast on Sunday, I'm going to say his name at least three or four times. Quiddy oh, yeah. Pay. I like that yeah. name. Solid name. Big up to your mom and dad. All right. Next matchup, we got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett versus Kenny Moore and Xavier Rhodes. Now, like I mentioned before, Metcalf and Lockett, one of the two, if not the best duo wide receiver tandems in the NFL. Now, last year, they both had over a thousand yards. That's the second time in franchise history that has happened. Brian Blaze and Joy Galloway did it in 1995. Also became the first set of receivers to post 80 plus receptions each in a season in club history. That's special, man. And they do it without ego. If anyone has a bigger personality, it's DK. But I think because DK has the big personality and Lockett is kind of low-key, it just works. All right, they also both had 10 touchdowns last year. All right, that doesn't happen often, folks. Enjoy this. Just like you got to enjoy Bobby and Russell and everybody else, you got to take in this moment and enjoy what we're seeing out of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Now, the guys are going up against uh, Moore and Rose. Nice little challenge you got coming up. Moore has 68 tackles, 12 passes defended, four interceptions, and two sacks in 2020. Rhodes, 35 tackles, 12 passes defended, two interceptions last year. Now, Rhodes struggled at times last year, but there's no denying the talent that he has. And then, again, I like this matchup because it's not – this isn't kind of an ease into it. This is, okay, you guys are one of the best duos in the league. We're going to put you up against some guys who can play this game and who can play it well. I look for Lockett and DK – to establish themselves early, couple of big plays, but I think we're all interested to see how they really are incorporated in this new offense with all those crossing routes, those sitting in space route. Is this going to change their game? Is this going to affect their numbers? I don't care if it does, as long as they are producing and winning football games. Without question. I'm interested to see how Moore does because Moore plays a lot in the slot, but he'll bounce around, and as we know in this offense, DK and Tyler, they're going to move all around, so... It's going to be a fun matchup to start week one. I think we know we're going to give the edge to, to Lockett and Metcalf just because they're different kind of dudes, but it'll be a fun matchup to watch there. And the last one I want to look at, man, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard versus Erbody. 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 On the offensive side of the ball. And the reason I say that, man, is these dudes can flat out play. I mean, you need to know where they are on every single play. And, of course, you would with a Mike linebacker and things like that. But just – Leonard has had an unreal start to his career, man. Despite missing two games last year, he had 132 tackles, seven TFLs, three sacks, seven passes defended, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, finished eighth in the NFL in tackles with missing two games. Three years, he's had 416 tackles, been an all-pro every year, man. He is the truth. He's a really fun linebacker to watch. Uh, And then DeForest Buckter, man. He's been doing it for a while. He's been a force in the middle for the Colts. At his defensive tackle position, he had 58 tackles, nine and a half sacks, three passes defended. You know, I mean, this guy, when it comes to defensive tackles, is at the top of the league in pretty much every category. He was a first-team All-Pro in 2020. Those two make this defense go. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Kyle Fuller, Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis, how they kind of negotiate that, you know, making sure they're right on all their calls and how they kind of defend those guys because those guys – are what make these guys go. And if we're going to run the football and establish the run, we're going to need it from Kyle Fuller. They're going to need to set the tone on these guys, and it'll be a fun matchup to watch. Buckner, nine and a half sacks from the D tackle spot. That is impressive, all right? Uh, for you guys who don't understand, he is taking on double teams dang near every snap. And for him to get nine and a half sacks, that is impressive. All right, we've gone through all the matches we're looking for. 
How are these Hawks going to win the game? Here's your path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Path to victory. Before we talk about that, man, it's going to be so good to hear Raves calling the games again. It, it just gets me excited. When I hear Steve Rabel, I know it's getting real. Okay, here's their path to victory. Start fast. The Seahawks are 19 and 7 since 2013 during 10 a.m. starts. When I was with the Hawks, Nas, man, we go to East Coast. We're like, here we go. Here's an L. I mean, we <laughs> lost to the Giants. I mean, we lost to the, I want to say the Bucks. I mean, we fly across Mississippi. It was a wrap. These guys have figured out a way to not let that hinder their performance. No question about it. Start fast. I love that. And, and take advantage of what you got going on offense, man. New offensive coordinator. You know, there's film out there from the preseason. There's some film from what the Rams did last year, but no one has really seen what this offense is. No one has seen it. You know, at any level of football, it's really funny. The first game, you know, you do all this work. You go all through camp, and you do once you start putting all the game plan stuff, man, you prep until that first series. In that first series, you get out there, and they come out in something completely different that you have not seen or practiced against, and then yep. you're like, oh, snap, here we go. We just got to play football. So take advantage of it. I think Shane Waldron is kind of show off what this offense has been working on since he got here. So take advantage of that and take it to him offensively. Take advantage and take the ball away. Carson will turn that ball over. If you get pressure on him, you hit him a couple times, some QB hits, you make him rush some things. He will turn the football over, and that's how you win games. If you win the turnover battle, most of the times you win that football game. And this is going to be huge for this defensive line. You're going up against one of the best O-lines in the league. Only allowed like 20 sacks last year. All right, D-line, establish yourself. Get to Carson Wentz. Make him make horrible decisions. Take the ball away. Go get it. And while we're taking the ball away, don't give up the big play defensively, man. The Colts don't have home run threats, in my opinion, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. T.Y. Hilton is kind of that guy. He's not playing on Sunday. They have good athletes, right? They have guys that can make plays. Taylor, Pittman, Pascal. Those guys can make plays. Carson Wentz, they have a good offensive line. But don't let anyone get behind you, especially defensive backs. This is a great way, especially to start the season and just quiet all the noise. All the haters, people said a lot of things about this unit. And let everybody know, DJ Reed, Troy Flowers, you guys can play. Keep everything in front. Make the big play. All right, let's keep it 100, Naz. This is a game they should win. This yep. is a game we expect them to win. I don't know what Vegas has the line or, or whatever, but I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I look at these two teams, and I think this is the game they could and they should win. We need this offense to get going. We need this defense to get going. Start the season off on the right foot. 1-0 is beautiful. On one, you start questioning yourself. You start second-guessing things, okay? We've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. Let's not disappoint. Do your thing, Seattle. Absolutely. And reminder, guys, you can hear us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. And another reminder, welcome home 12s. Get ready to bring back the noise for the first Seahawks regular season matchup on Sunday, September 12th against the Colts. Watch the game on our giant screens at the Seahawks kickoff viewing party presented by Bud Light. Enjoy local food trucks, take a selfie with the Super Bowl ring, and cheer alongside your fellow 12s outside Lumen Field. Visit Seahawks.com slash Welcome Home 12s for event tickets and info. This is going to be a great game. Here my guy, Michael Bumpus, hosting the Seahawks pregame show. We are live at 7 a.m. in Seattle and 8 a.m. across the Seahawks radio network on 710 ESPN and Cairo Radio 97.3. Bump, regular season, week one. Let's go get it done.
It's real, folks. Hog Talk Preview, regular season week one. You know when you hear me and NASA on the ones and twos on the podcast. The football season is here. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Be sure to watch this game. Your Seattle Seagulls go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. 10 a.m. start. Like Nas mentioned, at 7 a.m., we will be broadcasting live from Touchdown City. I'm Michael Bumpus. That is Nasa Chobi. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.